What's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Hi there. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you don't know me yet, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and author. My team and I help companies discover and articulate their purpose to thread it through their culture and operations. We work with forward-thinking or forward-reaching organizations to develop inspirational leaders who create cultures where people actually want to come to work and do their best. And we provide programs like the Grab Your Guster that enable individual team members to discover and unleash their passion and purpose at work to catalyze fulfillment, engagement, and productivity. You can learn more about us and how we can work together at EliseCortez.com or Gusto-Now.com. A surprise for you today with us is a very special guest. We have none other than Santa Ronnie Watson, also known as the Praying Santa, who says he's found it one of his hardest yet most rewarding things that he's ever had the pleasure of doing. His wife, Mrs. Claus, joined the fun a few years ago, which has made it even more rewarding. They've been everywhere from country clubs, private homes, schools, and even cross-country for the right events. Being Santa Claus is great heart medicine. We'll be talking today about why the spirit of Christmas canon should be lived all through all year long and how he and Mrs. Claus help keep that spirit alive year-round through their ministry. He joins us today from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Santa Ronnie. Welcome back to the Working and Purpose show for the fourth time. Oh, oh, oh. oh it's so good to see you again, Elise. It sure is, Santa Ronnie. Well, first, let me say thank you for filling in. Uh, Melanie Pump was our scheduled guest today, and Melanie uh, reached out to me earlier this morning. She said, Elise, I'm so sorry. I've got my booster shot scheduled. The only time that I can come is exactly when your show is scheduled. No worries. We'll reschedule you for March, and I'm going to call Santa Ronnie. So thank you, Santa, for saying yes. And I got the text that, uh, oh, it was early this morning. So, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, you know, God always makes a way for me to step out there and, and uh, talk about his precepts. Ooh, this is going to be fun. I, and love it. I do too. And uh, let's first, and let's remind our listeners and viewers who haven't heard the story yet of how you and I met, how I like to say I picked you up. So yeah. it would have been um, early December, 2016, when you were minding your own business, doing Santa work at uh, a movie theater in Richardson, Texas, outside of Dallas, and that was for the Dallas Opera, which was featuring a children's opera. So, of course, they had Santa Claus there. And seeing you sitting there on your perch, all dressed as you are right now today, I made a beeline for you, and I plopped myself right down on your lap, and I put my arm around your neck like so, and I said, Santa, I have a couple things for you. And you're like, shoot. And I I said, first I said, you know, Santa, I have been a very good girl this year, and I would like a man. Yes. And you said, um, well, let's talk about that. Are you sure you're ready? (laughs) Do you remember what the name of the the show was? I, uh, uh, I'll get to it probably. Maybe I'll look it up on Becoming Santa Claus. On Becoming Santa Claus. Thank yeah, you. Yes. That. And, yes. Uh, and, oh, and it was great because I had been I had been sitting there talking to your daughter and some of her friends, and they were just gathered around. 
and they were, you know, they were asking all kinds of questions. Where's the sleigh? Where's the reindeer? You know, how about Mrs. Claus? Did she come? And, and then uh, here came Elise. She just, I'm, she's just right. She said, I just plopped myself down. Just plopped myself down. And she said, and it actually start this way. It's my turn now. And so, <laughs> you remember that. And uh, I, I just looked at, you know, when you said you were uh, interested in finding the, uh, the man in your life, and uh, I, I just said, "Well, you've already had one, right?" And and I said, "How about we pray for the right man this mm -hmm. time?" Mm -hmm. And actually, you were just—I think you were taken aback, and you're like, "How did you know?" And I said, "Well, I've been talking to your daughter for the last fifteen minutes." <laughs> <laughs> I think I can put the dots together. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I was looking for Mr. Rat. And uh, he wasn't around, so and, and uh, I, I agreed. And that's how we that's how we met, right there. You asked me to come on your radio show, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that's been what four years ago? Is that no? It's five years ago, my dear. Woo! Back on the patience front, right? <laughs> well, the other thing that I remember handily about that is I got so comfortable perched there on my seat, you know, and we were having a philosophical philosophical conversation about life and romance and love and everything else. And all of a sudden I felt this jab on my shoulder, somebody pointing on my shoulder. And I looked up and it was the woman from the Dallas offer. She had her hands on her hips and she said, Alice, could you get up? There are children waiting to see Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, I'm out of here. See you, Santa. <laughs> I know. I think I was a prop you know, for becoming Santa Claus and it was the opera and, and I was, and I felt like, I felt kind of like a prop sits, but you know, I don't believe in accidents. I, I believe that we have a purpose. And when we, when we step out in the right spirit, then that purpose just starts revealing itself as we walk it out, you know, and, and that's what keeps life uh, amazing every day. You know, it's something new. It's something, Oh my goodness, really? I get to do this, mm -hmm. and so that keeps me uh, uh, young at heart because Santa's getting a little bit down the road. <laughs> well, let's call that experienced, shall we? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I didn't have any wisdom, and that's why I said I read Proverbs for 15 years. So, <laughs> <laughs> Just kept trying to find the meaning. Well, so so let's talk about this. I want a couple things I want to do on the show. I want to I want to celebrate the the spirit of Christmas. And listeners and viewers, that's for whatever your faith is, whatever you observe. It's the spirit of Christmas that we're really talking about here. And absolutely, I love what you said, Santa Claus. Under that, of course, is the purpose piece. And so, what does Christmas mean to you? you know, I, I believe, actually, Mrs. Claus and I both we believe that. Uh, Every day's Christmas. <laughs> Every day's a gift, and it's to be celebrated. And why would I get high on any other day when I need to be, you know, experiencing that high every day? Mm -hmm. And and uh, I like sometimes I like to just get in front of the mirror and and tell myself who I am, mm -hmm. and, and and get my face. You know, countenance counts, right? Oh, you come in with a oh, grumpy attitude, and you know it, you're going to reap what you sow. And so, if you go in with a great attitude, and sometimes I had to work that up in the morning. I used to tell kids that joy's like a T-shirt, and you had to put it on every day, and it's perishable. It only lasts one day. Mm -hmm. That's why God made it. So we had to get up and make that choice to 
put on that joy t-shirt and, and then I can approach people that are some may consider unapproachable and uh, I, I like to seek those kind of people out myself. Mm -hmm. you've, you've told us that before in this show you said you like to go out for the people that you don't think maybe are reachable. Well I, I just think that they need it you know because mm -hmm. hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. They sure and, do. Uh, sometimes they're the the ones that, that need that encouragement, just a, a look right in the eyes and just, you know, and just say, hey, uh, you know what this means? It means I love you. And uh, just kind of spread that around. But I believe uh, in those cases all the time that the Spirit gives me the right thing to say at the right time. And, and I just need to get myself out of the way. Mm -hmm. I can participate in what's what's really going on here, mm -hmm. and that's the spirit of Christmas, and uh, it can it can be all year long, but some days we just have to work it up. We have to work it up and say, and make that choice not to mm -hmm. go out, you know, with a, a burden, uh, because the you know the opposite of what I do. They say it's just lies. It's it's the things that want to bring us down and it's things that we can't control. Mm -hmm. It's things that we have to cast our cares onto God so that he can take care of it because we can't take care of it, but we carry these burdens like backpacks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I used to sit in boardrooms and, and you know, what amazed me was, and I don't know if it's a gift or what, but I could see, a, a person's agenda and it's like a backpack that they were wearing and when they walked in the room and I'm like oh my goodness this guy's going to really bring it today you know mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but he had a he had an agenda not for and you know if you build in a company you obviously want all for one one for all you know with the same goals and objectives so but a lot of times people don't operate that way and so um, so I would guess that that's so beautiful, that sensitivity intelligence. I got to believe, Santa, that you bring that with every time you interact with a kid. So I'd oh. love to hear you share a couple stories of like if you've gone to schools this year or where you've gone, where you've gotten to be with maybe a couple kids that you just, something was going on and you got to be you know, there with them. Yeah, and what's really uh, been tough the last you know year is uh, with the COVID and outbreak uh, we haven't been able to go into the schools that we've normally been into mm -hmm. um, but uh, my photographers they have you know they have the green screen and so i can be there in spirit and i can still uh, pray for those kids because they they've become family to me it's a couple of schools and actually that's how i got started a, a lady in church asked me you know once you do something with this beard you know and, and uh, come and we've adopted the school in the north side of Fort Worth and one over by Six Flags and it was about 1600 Hispanic children underprivileged in need and so the first time I went there it was like oh my goodness I, I need to pray for these kids because some of the things that they were asking me for were just it just breaking my heart I was, I was ready to pray down you know and, because some things we don't build in the workshop. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, how am I going to address these needs that one person can't meet all these needs? Now, there were some that, that uh, 
were immediate needs, like one boy asked for a heater, and uh, mm-hmm. that was our place. And uh, Mrs. Claus, she's like, stop everything. Get to somebody, go get this boy a heater. Right. And uh, so things like that, if we could do it, we could do it. But if I have a child ask me for one of their parents to get out of prison, you know, their mother or father or both, and uh, just because they want to spend Christmas with them, that, that's all they want for Christmas. And I'm, I'm like, well, Santa gets on his knees every morning, every evening. Do you want to join me? And we'll just be in agreement and we'll see. I, I can't think anything more powerful. The Bible says that we have the power to demolish strongholds. So and we should pray for the people that are in prison. You know, it's easy to love the lovable, isn't it? And we're called to love the unlovable and reach out to everybody. So I think that deepens our care and uh, empathy for others. And it makes us look at them differently. I would agree with that, Santa Ronnie. And I've had Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley on the show also four times because he keeps writing interesting books. And he really does talk about the importance of everyone developing empathy and the world would be such a better place, more peaceful if we would all just do that. So I love that you're spreading that throughout the year, Santa. Well, you know, it, it used to be about what's in it for me before I put on this suit. <laughs> but now it's, it's what's in it for everybody. When I take care of Santa, everybody gets the fringe benefits. And so it's not selfish. It's a paradox. It's mm. kind of upside down. But when we do that, then it's true. Everybody does get the fringe benefits. And we don't go through the world like a wrecking ball, but maybe like somebody that's trying to help build something for the future and something that'll last through the future too so mm. yeah Works I would say easy peasy lemon squeezy it's just one day at a time <laughs> right right and to that end uh, ronnie uh, santa ronnie um, let's go to our first break because to what you just said there is going to queue up what we talk about right after the break so okay. i'm your host and we've been on the air with santa ronnie watson also known as the praying santa you just talked about the notion of when he puts on a suit what that actually does for the world it's not for him After the break, I want to share a story about a new tradition that my daughter, who's 18, and I have found for Christmas Eve. We'll start with that after the break. See you then. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'd like to invite you before we get back to the program to check out my first book that came out in November of of 2020. It's called Purpose Ignited, How Inspiring Leaders Ignite Passion and Elevate Cause. I brought it out actually and I brought it into the world to awaken people to their passion and purpose and develop inspirational leaders who actually bring people to their greatness. I love it. It's part of what I do in my programs. So I hope you'll check it out with me. If you just joined the program today, my guest is Santa Ronnie Watson, also known as the Praying Santa. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. 
So as I alluded to before we went on, on, on the break there, Santa, I wanted to share with our listeners what you and I had an exchange about on Facebook. Um, and that was that my sweet daughter, who's 18, she's a, a, a freshman at Baylor, she came home for the holidays and she said, Mama, I want to make Christmas cookies on Christmas Eve. I'm like, great, fantastic. She goes, and I want to go bring them to people who might be homeless or in need of some cheer or some help. And I said, that's amazing. So we iterated that a little bit and we ended up making um, fresh turkey cookies, or, or excuse me, turkey sandwiches, the fresh, you know, decorated cookies. And then we had a water bottle, a sanitizer, a truffle, and a $5 bill. We made oh, just 10 of those. And we set out on Christmas Eve here in Dallas to deliver them. At first, I was worried we're not going to find anybody. Nobody's going to be out. It's so nice and hot here in Dallas. Nobody needs us. So we set out with that whole idea of hoping that we were going to help other people, Santa. And I know you know where I'm going with this. And sure enough, we make our first um, round past Walnut here in 70, Hill in 75. Nobody's there. Go south. Park Lane in 75, and sure enough, the first one, we first person we found is a divorced woman who's on her, she's trying to find her way back on her feet to make it on her own again, a vet who's trying to save some money for his next surgery, so those were the first two people, we had this amazing conversation with them, but later, we ended up getting rid of all of the, the, the packs, but the number, third person that we delivered to, Santa, really just, just stole my heart, and um, so when we came up to him, we'd seen him, and we pulled the car around to make sure we could actually get to him. We stopped the car at the light, rolled the window down, and said, hey, we made this sandwich and these cookies for you. And his face just just filled with emotion, and he just started sobbing. His shoulders were just rocking as he sobbed, and as he smiled, I could see that he had hardly any teeth left. And he gave us this so such a beautiful Thank you. That it was just, it was beyond profound. And so, of course, I was in a pile of tears by that, just in a moment, right? So was my daughter. And um, it was the most beautiful thing. So to your point, you know, we set out thinking we were going to help these other people, but that's not what happened. They helped us. They lifted us in their graciousness, their gratitude, their uh, friendliness, their the connectivity that we had in just those moments. So I can't imagine what it must be like to be Santa Claus. Oh, yeah, it's just like that 24-7, and uh, I'm just reminded of the, you know, axiom that uh, those one-liners always say they stand the test of time because they're loaded with truth, right? And mm. and when you're telling me that, I was just thinking, of, you know, it's better to give than receive. It's amazing. Right? It, isn't it? It's and, true. And, and that encounter you had with that third person? It's, that's uh, God's economy, you know, because I tell people, you know what I love about hugs? Whenever you give one, you get one. Mm -hmm. That's God's economy, you know, and people need hugs like that. People, you know, some people go through their lives, they might not ever have been hugged. Mm. Some of the uh, schools I go into, I, you know, the abused children that are in these special classes that are darkened because they you know, noises and things like that can send them over the edge and, and uh, you can't even come close to them, you know, much less give them a hug. And uh, they might not ever have had that or experienced that. So it is better to give than receive. And that's what keeps me going is uh, to be able to give and to not just give the presence, you know, because presence, I can't remember what I had when I was five or six, but I can remember the people 
and the times and the atmosphere. I can remember those things. And so if I can plant, you know, putting on the suit carries a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, I always tell you that words have power and that we can use words to encourage and build up others uh, in the right way. And we can maybe take the pressure off. Uh, you know, I told people I'm, I've done away with the naughty list. You know? <laughs> oh, good. You know, I was worried. Uh, hey, he's already paid for it. And so if we fight for it, then, you know, thank goodness. Otherwise, we'd all be on the naughty list forever, right? Man, that would be bad. And I tell people that. And it's like uh, lifting a, a burden. And not just the kids, but the parents that are standing in the background. They get it, too. And, I want, and sometimes I wonder about the discussions <laughs> on the way home. You know, Santa said there's not a naughty list anymore, Bob and Dad. So. <laughs> You know, that elf on the shelf, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, just make your yes a yes and your no a no. And that way, it's like you set the boundaries mm -hmm. and don't move them. I believe, it, I believe that it's inhumane to have boundaries that move and change all the time. And I think that's what confuses children sometimes is they don't know when the hammer's going to come down or, you know, when the nice dad's going to be home or the nice mom or the one that's not burdened with too many things, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. here's an axiom for you. Less is more. And it is, I, I really believe that the less we have, the more we have, you know, the more we can take care of. We're not made to be multitaskers. We're made to really focus on one thing at a time. And it, Children ask me, you know, hey, what's my elf's name? And I'm like, I don't name them. You know, at the North Pole, when I talk to them, see these right here, I look them right in the eyes and I say, hey, elf, because <laughs> they all want to be called elf up there. Mm -hmm. And then with you, you give them a name, so I don't know what name it is. And they're like, oh, okay. You got to have an answer for every one of them. They're always trying to trick you. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta stay on your toes, Santa. Oh, no, a, at the school the other day, asked me, "What's my name? What's my name?" I'm like, "Have you written a letter to me yet?" And they're like, "No." And I'm like, "How am I supposed to know what your name is if you haven't written me a letter?" <laughs> I'll know your name, okay? That's <laughs> called fast dance and fast foot for you. Oh, it's just you just have to be ready because you know there uh, it takes all kinds, right? And in, in a cross section of society, it's. Uh, you have the wallflowers, you have the extroverts, the introverts, you have all those and you just have to be ready. And that's why I say you have to have the right spirit, the right countenance so that, you know, you don't act like a, what is, what, what was that show with the Red Rider BB gun, you know? Ho, 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 come yeah. on. <laughs> and, uh, not the Miracle on 34th Street. That's not that one, right? Uh, what is it? Christmas story, the Christmas story with the oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Oh, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and uh, here's the mall Santa. He's a little grumpy sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah. That's why we I try to keep that countenance and and my spirit. But the other thing is, uh, you know, laughter heals like a medicine, and uh, that's why I love to laugh. 
and uh, I've worked on my countenance for years and uh, learned how to unload things that that burden used to burden me and now they don't and uh, I think in uh, even in business they call it value added versus non-value added Mm -hmm. I've learned how to identify things that really add value and to laugh and uh, always said I didn't have a I had a living problem, I think, when I was younger and not so wise. <laughs> and uh, now that I've gotten older, but hindsight's twenty twenty, correct? So we can look back and see that some of the things that we used to do are uh, not who we are anymore. And, and we see things that are more valuable now with uh, different eyes. So I, I, I love giving to the children and and watching their little eyes when I plant those seeds go ding, and I see hope come back in mm-hmm. the future when I saw none, when I saw nothing in those eyes, and I saw a child with the, with their head down, and and like they were just beaten down verbally, you know. So I just try to lift people up, and, and you know, grown ups need it too. Yeah, I know that because I, I mean, you reminded me as we're talking, I just have to share because you said grown-ups need it too. Years ago when I was very involved in the, in the Lakewood Service League here in Dallas, we went to uh, go gather the Christmas wishes of this retirement community at Juliet Fowler Homes. Mm-hmm. And when we walked in, um, Cindy, who I knew, the manager, she said, Elise, if you're going to get a list, go and talk with, I don't remember the woman's name, but let's call her Mrs. Jones. So I went and sat with Mrs. Jones and I said, hi, I'm, I'm Elise. I'm here with Lakewood Service League and I'm here to learn what you'd like for Christmas and we'd like to see if we can go fulfill your wish and talk with Santa, et cetera. And she said, oh no, I don't need anything. But ask Charlotte next door. I know she needs a sweater. So I sat down with her and I spent a little time with her. And in that time, Santa, I learned, she told me the whole story. She said, do you see that, that picture over there? That's me. I'm actually holding um, my my four children. I'm holding the fourth one up because he has polio and he can't sit by himself. And then she goes back. She tells this whole story of how she had polio when she was a child. And she said, my father worked three jobs to put me through school. Do you think you'll ever, ever know how much I appreciated him? And she went and told this whole story. And guess what's happening as she's telling the story? I'm over here in a big pile of sobbing, (laughs) taking this whole thing in, right? And she looked at me at one point, and she looks at me kind of curiously, and she said, oh. And then she wheels over. She's in a wheelchair, wheels over and gets a Kleenex box for me and puts it on my lap. And she said, yeah, we don't cry when we get to my age. We don't need to anymore. We've already done all that. Uh-huh. She's kind of wiping at my tears. But I was so moved by her story. Yeah. And to your point, you know, what she got out of that is she got to, to listen, somebody to listen to her. And, you know, she told her story. And I was hanging on every single word. And so, yes, to your point, adults need it too. Adults need to be ministered to. They need to be listened to, need to be loved, understood, sought after, um, given hope to. Yeah. So, completely agree with you, Santa, which is probably a big reason why I made a beeline for you. Oh, you know, even more so, I think sometimes the grown-ups that, you know, the thing that I noticed that, that the older we get, sometimes the harder we get. Not that even the Bible talks about, you know, don't let your heart get hard. And I see those people that are, not that they're mean, but that they're, they're protecting, that they just shut everybody out. 
you know, because the world is just beating them down so much, whether it's finances or relationships or whatever. And that, uh, but I'm also reminded this is above all else. So that must be an important statement. Above all else, guard your heart because everything that you do flows from there. And that is the truth. You know, if we are hard hearted, then we can be mean and snippy and uh, but if we soften our heart and have that empathy for others and look outside of ourselves, then it becomes more real. The things around us, there's a, a spiritual battle going on out there. We can either get into it or we can sit on the sidelines and cheer for the ones that are, you know, or just sit on the sidelines and become hard. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a daily, it's, a, it's just a daily choice. Uh, for me, and and I know that I can't be Santa Claus, kids, without doing it the right way because that's you know the reason for the season. This is what Christmas is all about: is the giving and the gifts and and uh, what He gave for us, the ultimate gift, so that we could just uh, live free live a real life, the life of Zoe that satisfies, not things. Things don't satisfy. <laughs> I told a guy one time, I'm like, see this, this, all this right here? It's part of the dirt pile. It's going back in the ground one day, maybe not while we're here. But, and there's like, and that was in a boardroom too. <laughs> and there's like, oh, you can't. I said, don't the pyramids mean anything to you? We can mitigate, but we can't eliminate because we're not the chosen one. We can't make things perfect. Even, don't matter how hard we try, we'll never make perfect. But advancing, that's that's the key, is just continuing, knowing that you can't make things perfect, mm-hmm. but you can make things better, that you can mitigate some problems and encourage others. Yes. And to your point, Santa, in the work that I do inside organizations, you said something about, you know, softening people, softening or whatever. I know when I meet somebody who uh, still needs softening, somebody that still needs to uh, heal, right? Because as you said, hurt people hurt people. So uh, it shows up writ large when someone really needs to be helped um, and healed and how they lead, how they treat people, how they develop people, how they instruct people, et cetera. So um, I think maybe in some ways I've developed some Santa sense um, as I've <laughs> worked with organizations and, and maybe, you know, our friendship has, has rubbed off. But um, so I'll thank you for that now. And maybe my clients will thank you, too. Hey, I'll give you a little uh, advice if you want to do that carry some peppermints with you mm, that helps soften it and you're like here i got a peppermint for you and everybody you know <laughs> a peppermint, and it just kind of opens the door it, it takes you know maybe this is a safe place that you got just gonna give me a peppermint and okay then you look them in the eyes and you give them a big smile and sometimes that that eye connection that you'll know when the doors open and you'll know when to, like me, you know, Mrs. Claus, she has permission to kick me in the shins because I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't reach you. So <laughs> so anyway, that, that spirit, God gave us two ears and one mouth. And so mm-hmm. listening is part of adding value in people's lives. And it's like you listen to that person's story and just, oh, it, it 
made you, it put you right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. I think about how I love to read books, you know, and the pictures that our mind can paint in reading these books. And then a movie comes out about it. I'm like, oh, that wasn't. Not that nearly was, as good as no. what I conjured in my mind. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, when somebody's telling us their story and we're really listening to it and uh, we don't have an agenda to interject or or, you know, the man thing is like, let me get my toolbox out and I'll help you fix that. No, they just want you to listen sometimes and just be there because nobody's ever listened to them. I've Good. learned that. Yes, Good. I've learned. That's awesome. I've learned that after almost seven years on this show. So let's speaking of that, let's grab our last break here if we can. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Santa Ronnie Watson, who is known as the Praying Santa. We've been talking a bit about connections and memories related to Christmas. After the break, I'm going to see if he'll tell us one more time just how he became Santa Claus. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. Before we go back to Santa Claus here, I want to share one other bit of news with you. I have been curating over the last couple of years an anthology. It's a collection of 25 stories from women across the world who share their intimate stories of how, they're, how they discovered their purpose and are now serving from it. Here it is. It's so beautiful. I could, I'm so proud of it. I could just bust. It's called uh, Passionately Striving and Why, an anthology of women who persevere mightily to live their purpose. It's on Amazon, and I hope you take a look at it. I'm just so proud of it. Um, if you're just joining us, my guest today is Santa Ronnie Watson. He's known as the Praying Santa. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So I purposely dangled that in in front of you before the 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 break, so you could think about that. I happen to know the story of how you became a Santa Claus, but those who are listening may not have heard it. So will you tell us, Santa Ronnie? I know there's a beautiful story. Give us the real meat of it. How it is that you decided and were invited to become Santa Claus? Well, um, I, it's really started with the beard and uh, the beard came about from uh, my first grandchild was uh, she was adopted by my oldest son and she called me Big G and uh, she had my heart you know right from the very first right from the get-go and I remember I'll never forget she looked at me and she's like Big G you can never shave your beard and I'm like hey Whatever you say, what it, you you got it. So, and it wasn't long after that that, that you know I think I told you the lady in the church asked me to. Uh, they she works for a credit union. They adopt those schools, and uh, they take presents. I mean a gym full of presents, and they have games set up in there for the kids, and it's just an all day game and Santa Claus, and then they have to get 
pictures with me sitting on, you know, them sitting on my lap and, and a photographer, his name's Billy Buttons and he's a great guy and he makes <laughs> a button and they can wear that picture of them in Santa Claus, you know, and it might be the only picture that they get, you know, because it, they just don't have a lot of money there. So, um, and at that, Kind of one thing led to another, but uh, you know, my granddaughter, she was, she's the one that uh, started the uh, with the beard and everything, and so it, it's it was just a matter of, you know, I've always been a, a had a servant's heart, and always been a leader, whether in business or whatever, and and I always told uh, I have two children, and I said, you know, every day. Life's going to throw a bunch of things at you every day. You know, sometimes you may have 50 decisions to make, sometimes 150, sometimes a thousand. And, you know, you're going to have these decisions. But if you just take the high road at every decision, then you don't have to look back and you don't have to carry baggage with you. And, and uh, like I think Judge Judy says, you know, if you just tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. <laughs> But uh, that's that carrying that extra baggage with you, you know, if we uh, start taking the, the wrong turn or if we start looking for what's in it for me. And, and uh, But we're put here to serve one another, you know, and I really believe that's why we're here. I do too. I, I believe that uh, in that, that's where life lives. That's where the peace and the joy and it all lives right there. You know, I talked to a mission, a missionary guy one time, and he was a lone ranger mission guy with a family in the middle of Africa. And and I asked him, I said, how do you do that? How do you, how, you know, you could be like kidnapped and murdered. He goes, wherever peace is. That's where God is. That's where I stay. He goes, if I walk in a place and the hair stands up on my arm, I just back out and go to the last place I had peace. <laughs> so, uh, it, I mean, he had some amazing stories about uh, what he was doing over there. But it's the same thing over there that it is here. And uh, we're, we're so blessed in this country that, you know, it, it's, that's why I say less is more. And I always say these, the telephones and they're great and they're great for work and things, but for personal relationships, I want to sit down face to face like this. I, I love seeing you here, but I'd lot rather see you face to face. Yeah. Or in my studio or in my dining room, we've done shows and all. <laughs> well, so it, our body, you know, what is that? 90 something percent of communication is body language. Mm -hmm. You know, the rest of it's just our words. So um, and I think, in, like I told you, the boardrooms, that's why I could tell, you know, look at this guy. He's bringing something that mm, I don't know. And I also learned that, you know, the smartest one in the boardroom is the last one to speak. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that have those agendas. They just come in and just start throwing darts and see what sticks. But mm -hmm. when we work for one another, and uh, I even played on some sports teams whenever I was younger, and we weren't, you know, super talented, but we played as a team, and we pulled for one another. We encouraged one another. God 
having a bad day that we're like, hey, it's okay, just keep going, keep going. And and, uh, and I think you talk to a lot of sports guys and they're like, if they have a workout partner, somebody there that can encourage them, you know, oh yeah, come on, we can do one more. Let's just do one more set, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and it helps you, it just, and it helps both of you to keep going, it motivates you. So we don't do good alone. We don't do yeah. good by We're ourselves. So social animals and that reminds me of another story that i need you to tell i just was thinking about this yeah I, I remember distinctly it probably was the second time you were on and mrs claus came and i asked her during the break what else should we talk about and she said oh get him to talk about what happens during the off season when he's walking through parking lots and children see you tell <laughs> us what happens when those those children what happens in the encounters and what do they say and what do you say back well, you know, and I remember we had that lady from California. She called them one time. I didn't know Santa had a Texas accent. <laughs> Darling, we're in the middle of Texas, okay? <laughs> Darling, I know I say Darling, too. And anyway, it was, uh, but uh, during the off season, matter of fact, I got dressed up for the show today. So I appreciate I, that. I, I hung everything up, but uh, I put my car hearts on and, uh, and I put on my sunglasses. And that's my disguise, and, and uh, so my wife loves for me to go shopping with her. And if we, whether we go to the grocery store or wherever, uh, kids they just start they they see that big beard and they'll start dragging their mother across the parking lot. <laughs> it's Santa Claus! It's Santa Claus! And so I, you know, I'm about six foot three, and I know it's very important not to tower over a child. So I always, and it's getting harder, but I always get down on my knee <laughs> and look out, you know, out in the middle of the parking lot. And uh, I, I carry peppermints. And so I ask some others, is it okay if I give them peppermint? And they're like, yeah. So, but when I finish talking to the child, I usually get up and give the parent peppermint too. So, you know, it's not, like I say, it's not just for the kids, but uh, the kids drag their parents into it. You know, I just love to see uh, their smiles when it changes their whole countenance. Mm -hmm. Whenever you just plant, they see something like that, their kids excited, and then they get excited. And, and uh, I love to see that. I love to, you know, a grumpy checkout lady that's having a very bad day, just look her in the eyes. And, uh, you know, tell her, hey, I'm the praying Santa. You know, you need me to pray for anything, I'll pray for you. And, uh, I, you know, I just want to tell you, I, I did that one time in Walmart, just the neighborhood Walmart. Mm -hmm. And uh, this lady, uh, I prayed, there was uh, this black woman and her daughter standing right there at the checkout. And, and it was just like, in my heart, I was like, I need to pray for this girl. And uh, the mother was talking to me, you're Santa Claus, and da, da, da. And I said, yeah, and I'll pray for your daughter right here. And uh, he's here with us, so I'll just put an amen on the end of that. The next year, <laughs> the next year, I was on a, uh, Mr. Claus put me on a keto diet. <laughs> so, Claus. <laughs> and she said, I run down to the store, grab some milk and eggs. And I was like, okay. So I go down there and not thinking, I grab a basket and I walk back and I grab the milk and the eggs. I'm like, what do I have a basket for? And it was like 
I couldn't leave. It was like I was, something else was there, and I kept walking up and down the back aisle. And every time I walk, you know, the signs that say what's on this aisle, every time I walked by the cracker aisle, it was like it was like a neon sign, like just blinking. And I'm like, crackers? I'm on keto diet. I can't have crackers. I haven't had a cracker <laughs> in a year. And so finally, I give. I walk down that aisle. I'm just standing here looking at the premium saltines, okay? <laughs> and all of a sudden, this lady taps me on the shoulder. And I turn around, and I mean, the hair just stood up on my arm. She goes, you don't remember me. And I said, yes, I do. And she goes, do you believe in divine intervention? And I said, yes, absolutely. So you prayed for my daughter last year, and she got worse. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, but she hit her bottom. And, oh, my goodness, she has done a 180-degree turn. And I'm telling me and this lady, we were standing in the middle of that cracker aisle, just, just hugging, and I didn't know her for yeah, better one time a year ago. And, I, and at the end of that, I said, you know, I just don't, I always say never miss the irony of God, right? And uh, at the end of it, I'm like, ma'am, I uh, hope you don't mind me asking this, but what do black people call white people? And she looks, she goes, crackers? I'm like, I've been standing by these crackers for five minutes. What a great way to finish. Are you eating me? What? <laughs> oh my goodness! It's like we never know. We never know this. The message is disguised. Oh. Just, what's going to happen? That just that one encounter, and uh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever see her again. But man, there was so much joy in that aisle <laughs> that day. And people were probably looking at us like, what are them crazy people doing? <laughs> what, a, what a great way to finish the show, Santa Ronnie. We, we already went through the whole time, if you can possibly believe that. But I can't think of a better way to finish. It was worth the whole price of admission is to hear that last story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Santa you know Ronnie. Means, right? I you said it means I love you. I love you, Elise. And, and uh, you know, God says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And I think sometimes we don't love ourselves enough to get out there and think we don't have anything to share. But I'm telling you right now, you have plenty to offer to another human. And it's not in things, but in attitude. And it starts with that gratitude, just being grateful for what you have. Nobody can take that from you. Mm -hmm. Nobody, they'll, they'll try. They will try, and that's nonstop, but we have the strength and power because we know what it feels like to be on that side of giving instead of taking. Hey, I love you. Love you too, Santa. Thank you for coming back. And who knows what where the where the where the road takes us from here. So thank you, Santa Ronnie, for joining us yet again a fourth time. Let's see what happens for a fifth round. If you want to yes. learn more about Santa Ronnie and Mrs. Claus, well, the best place to find them, of course, is at the North Pole. If you can't catch them there, however, then check out Facebook at Ronnie Watson or Annette Kuban Watson. It's K-U-B-A-N, Annette Kuban Watson.
Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it. We, we recorded a podcast. We were on the air with Greg Milano, author of Curing Corporate Short-Termism. And we talked about how to create cultures of ownership that drive long-term innovation and financial performance. Next week, we'll be on the air with Marshall Mosher, the CEO of Vestigo, talking about how virtual reality connects remote teams to learning what comes from diving off with wild abandon that can only come safely with virtual reality. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.